Well, you've uh, sat through six of these team previews. This is number seven, and we've saved an interesting one for last. It's head coach of the Queensland team, Dan Wilson. Dan, welcome to the podcast. G'day, Stuart, and thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Now, I said we've saved an interesting one to last because you're a head coach has actually won one of these Australian Youth Championships. You won that uh, a couple of years ago. It would have been, by my math, was the last one that we had before COVID. Is that correct? That's the one, yeah, 2020 in Geelong. So what does it take to win one of these tournaments, mate? Um, it um, takes a lot of hard work, uh, commitment from the players. Uh, I think you need to get that commitment from the day one of, uh, of your training session that and, and just work through everybody's um, idiosyncrasies and uh, personalities and try and blend it into a team environment to uh, get over the line. And how much of it is, you know, you can, you can say it's all coach here if you want, but how much of it is, <laughs> you know, you obviously take away a talented squad, but in your experience in winning one, and you've been a coach on other teams before, you know, how much is it just it all came together that week or did you enter that tournament with a pretty good inkling that oh, we're going we're gonna to really sniff at a win here? Uh, going into the tournament, we had seven or eight players that played the year before. So we had a good chunk of the team that knew what it, what it was like to play in an 8 wide seat. And, um, you know, we didn't start the tournament well back then. We, we lost the first game against WA in a walk-off. And uh, the kids thought it was the end of the world, um, you know, it was the end of their tournament. So we just took them to the beach and had some fun and came back and basically uh, worked our way through to the gold medal against New South Wales. Interestingly, I sort of haven't really talked to any of the coaches about the mechanics of sort of winning the tournament. How do you how do you get to the, the championship game? But typically, how many... Um, yeah, what do you have to do through the first round? Just get to the sort of winners bracket, or what's the what's the plan when you enter into a tournament in terms of we've got to win X number of games, or we've got to be in this position? How do you how do you as a coaching staff approach approach that? We basically try and work try and work some matchups early on in the tournament, and then um, whatever we've got left, we just try and throw out there and see what see what happens, and the boys just knuckle down and got the job done when they needed to. Mm. Uh, we're going to get to the <laughs> we're going to get to the mental side of things towards the end of the podcast, but it's pretty interesting hearing you say that, you know, they drop game 1 and then the sky's falling. Is that because kids understand that every game is critical in these types of things or what sort of led to that reaction? Oh, look, I think the emotion of playing in an AYC, I think it kind of you know, I think Scotty said it from Victoria that it just magnifies mm. so all the emotions and everything just goes through the roof and if you lose game one in a walk-off like that like all the kids thought it was the end of the tournament they, they couldn't come back from here but um, it was a, it was tough going to try and get them back into some sort of mindset um, to play again the next day but um, you know what the coaching staff that I had did a great job in, in, in just building the kids back up into uh, day two and I think we won two games that day and it's got the ball rolling. Now, as you said, off air, you, you would have been a good chance to retire as a head coach after you win your first one. Um, let's talk about the 2022 squad. Um, be really yep. interested to, you know, most of these guys are um, 
obviously new to Australian Youth Championships. Um, what, what, when did the preparation start and, and what sort of numbers did you have to get to the squad that you've got uh, heading into the tournament next week? Uh, we started in December. I think ours was the first of the showcases that happened this year. Um, we were lucky enough to get ours in before Christmas uh, to give the kids you know, that Christmas break off basically and um, we had 41 players for the showcase we played a 10 game series over five days five six days so it was um it was very similar to the tournament structures that we've got going next week um and then after that i picked a squad of 29 and we started training of the first week in may um because we gave them a break to play their club ball play their charter uh, tournaments and teams and uh, we started training from about the 5th of May and got to the point where uh, we got it down to our final 20, probably four weeks, four or five weeks in um, and started training as a team from there. So it was, um, it was a pretty disjointed run because we had a little bit of wet weather there for about a month where we couldn't get on field. Um, had Utilise all the indoor facilities around the around the around Brisbane, and um, I think most of the other states have had the same sort of um, issues with uh, getting on field. But um, it, we finally started getting on field, and the weather's been pretty cool lately, so it's um, been a challenge. Now, I guess it's a question I'm going to ask you, and haven't really been able to ask anyone else. And admittedly, it just sort of sprung into my mind. But you know, you've you've got quite a background in coaching junior players um, and we'll get to why you like or what is it you enjoy about that in a second but in your experience you know you can you can watch club ball and there's a, there could be a kid who dominates week to week is there a difference in player when it or or, or is there a, is there a, a makeup that comes with tournament baseball that you might be able to look for when selecting a team and and I don't know if I've articulated that well but you know, is there a certain type of player that's just built for these types of tournaments versus a kid who shows up once a week and plays? What, what have you sensed um, in your coaching experience along those lines? Um, I, I think a kid that has a lot of resilience um, is always going to be good at tournament play. I mean, the way he deals with um, failure on a daily basis and then responds to that, uh, the next game, the next at-bat, the next ground ball, the next fly ball, it, um, you know, those those kids that respond well are generally going to be great tournament players, uh, baseball. And when you can find a team of 20 or 18 to 20 kids uh, put in the team environment, then you, you're going to do well. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I've got a, a younger child who has just started trying out for sports and, um, you know, you sort of have that conversation in the car with her where you're saying – Look, every kid who's trying out here has got talent, but what the coaches are looking for is some of those intangible things that you know don't always show up on testing and, and whatnot. But how you read the play and how committed you are to, de- to defense, and I, I think it's probably interesting for you know listeners and particularly baseball parents. I'm sure when you're looking to select a state team, you, you yes, you're looking for the kid who can pitch and throw the ball hard and and uh, who, who can run. But part of the coaching staff is surely on the lookout for, as you said, those kids who you think, hang on, I could. It's not going to be a risk taking this kid away. They're not going to fall to pieces. How much time is spent kind of evaluating or discussing those things as a coaching staff? 
uh, all the time. Mm. I mean, you, you address, you're addressing those issues on a weekly basis at training as well. Um, um, I mean, it's those kids that respond well to feedback, uh, you know, are, are generally going to progress well. Mm. And, then, and then they sort of hopefully drag the rest of the guys along with them uh, as they progress. Which is, uh, you know, comes to make a good team makeup, good teammate, um, all those sort of things to come into account. And have you seen any, um, you know, the showcase was in December. Have you seen kids really put in work and have, have there been dramatic improvements or even incremental improvements of kids' talent levels since December through to now? Like, so there's, you're taking a team of kids who are on the up and up from an improvement perspective? Yeah, uh, since uh, since the guys from Showcase have come into the squad, the, the, the skill levels increased a great deal, and the knowledge of the game has increased as well. As we have a lot of instructional uh, uh, instructional stuff that goes into these training sessions, and um, and getting these kids to retain that information and then progress to the next level is uh, over the period of the training session is. Uh, is what we're after, and the skill level is is is, uh, is in a pretty good spot at right at right now. Mm. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? You know, what what sort of instructional work are you taking players through? Um, you know, and I think there's probably that assumption that hang on, you just selected the best players in the state, now you put them out on the field and play. What instruction is being is being delivered to these players in the lead up to a tournament like this? Most of the instructionals around. Uh, the technical sort of the strategy part of the game, as far as um, our team defensive uh, drills, uh, first and thirds, first and seconds, uh, bump plays, uh, general PFP, advanced PFP, um, and you've got uh, you know cuts and relays. You know, if, you, if the ball's not hit to you, where are you going? You're backing up here, um, you know. But, Pitchers um, have a tendency to wash the ball a lot, so we've focused on you know backup drills and stuff like that. So the next level of play, basically from club ball and charter ball, is trying to introduce all these technical strategies, basically of the game. One um, one common thread across all the coaches is that you know I think we've had as low as fifteen and as high as eighteen when it comes to you know I've got fifteen kids who can all pitch and hit or I've got 18 kids, 18 of the 20, 20 kids will pitch. So when you're trying to implement defensive um, strategies or defensive plays, how on earth do you get the kids to – that's got to be a logistical nightmare, rotating kids through various positions because, you know, the, at this age, these kids are – they're either a pitcher, a three-hole hitter, or a shortstop typically. Um, how do you yeah. – how are you spreading the load so everyone – if and when they're thrust into today, you've got to play third base, they're across this stuff. There must be a fair amount of time spent on just drilling kids and giving them a different uh, opportunity at different positions. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's all, most of the kids have a primary position and we try and focus on that position uh, first before we try and give them opportunities in other positions. We also, most of the kids in these age groups are two-way players, so Obviously, we've got to work on their primary position first and then also work on 
their, their pitching at the same time. So when you're structuring sessions, it's more the way I've structured my sessions up here is we had one session on team defense and hitting, and we had the other one on individual defense and, and pitching strategy, pitches versus hitters. And then Saturdays or on the weekend stuff, it's more simulated games, so it's pitches versus hitters. So the kids are seeing live balls. Uh, a good majority of these sessions. Yeah, I think that's um, one of the challenges, obviously, in having a tournament outside of baseball season is that game speed simulation. How do you get you know timing in, in hitting is everything. How do you get mm. the the exposure to live pitching? Obviously, hitting against your own pitching staff helps, but um, you know just getting the reps in. And then with weather, we, we talked to Coach um, recently. He said, "Like just the weather's been so bad, and we've played so few games that we're almost going to have to do." Uh, like a, a, a starting rotation by committee where everyone gets bite-sized pieces of games because we can't stretch them out. So I'm just thinking the planning around some of this stuff is next-level rocket science. Yeah, it's, it, you start off small and then we try and build up their loads before the tournament when you possibly can. I mean, you, we had that period of a month there where we couldn't get on field, so we had to sort of modify our sessions indoors and have the kids throw bullpens indoors we lucky enough in recent here to have a, uh, a couple of good facility, indoor facilities where we can utilise bullpens uh, as well as our hitting and, and instructional basic routine fundamentals within field and outfield. So it was, it was a good variety of skill sets that we could get done in the indoor sessions, which is quite handy. We talk about the players being resilient, but it sounds like the coaching staffs have had to be resilient, just scrambling with practice plans on the fly and 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 dealing with um, the weather above and beyond that you normally would. Um, I'd be really interested, to sort of, to dive into the actual squad and to get some in- insight from yourself around, you know, where you think you guys are going to be strong. As I mentioned to you off offline, every single coach has told me their pitching staff is going to be strong. So this may be the greatest collection of arms ever um, ever seen at Australian Youth Championships if you go by every coach's scouting report. But where do you guys, where do you see your, your strengths lying at the moment? Um, look, I'm, I'm no different uh, <laughs> to the other coaches at the moment. Um, you know, I've, we've progressed enough with our pitching that I believe that we're going to be competitive. We've got a couple of lively arms in there with um, Juan Ramirez. We have uh, uh, Hayden Dingley. Uh, they're throwing sort of low low 80s at the moment. Um, Max Strickland throwing low 80s. So there's some good lively arms there and the next level coming through. Um, we have some good control uh, at the next level with um, Logan Blackman, uh, Zach Leggett, Rubens Romero. So there's some good good arms coming through um, to help us try and get through this tournament. Um, I've probably got about 13 or 14 arms, um, and most of these guys are two-way players. Mm. So it's um, it's going to be um, it's going to be a an art, it is an art form to manage these pitching and to get you through and try and have enough arms at the back end of the tournament to um, compete in the, in the final series. Yeah, that's the piece that um, I've found really interesting in talking to coaches is just how do you utilise, you know, your aces? When do you 
you know, you obviously would need to try and use them at the start of the tournament because you want to collect wins. Then what's their workload and when do you bring them back? And just that I could imagine the, um, you know, obviously a lot going on during games, but there's probably even more going on in the coaches' rooms afterwards just sort of plotting out, okay, well, how do we, you know, I think that would be an interesting podcast in itself actually, listening, sitting in a coach's room, the strategy around, well, when do we use these guys and, and for how long? Um it must be part of what makes it interesting coaching through a tournament like this, the sort of nightly interactions with the coaching staff, figuring out how do we move forward here? Yeah, no, it's, um, it is a definitely a definitely a challenge. I mean, my first two days, um, I've got a double header against New South Wales and New South Wales country on day one, and I've got only my one game on day two against ACT. So I've kind of had a basic plan of attack on those two days. Um Obviously, that pitch and plan can uh, go south after game one. So you've got to reassess that for game two and hopefully get through game three and then reassess um, quite regularly as you're going along to make sure you've got enough arms for the next day. The, the, man, I don't mean to put you on the spot here and certainly won't hold you to any, um, any statements you make, but obviously New South Wales are a traditionally strong state. And when you come up, against them in game one of the tournament. You, you, is it an approach? Because obviously it sets the tone as well. Like you sort of showed mm. your team, hey, we're going to go head-to-head with these guys. Are you, do you just come out and say, we're going head-to-head, my best against your best, and, and we see if we, we can take you down? How do you when, you, when you're going up against a team that is traditionally strong, how do you attack that as a coach? Well, you could, you could take it two ways. You could either, New South Wales have been traditionally strong in, um, in these AYC. So you could either go, I'm going to roll over and, and throw uh, my lower guys or you're just going to go at them and see what happens with your, your top four or five guys and, and just see if you can match it with them day one. Um, obviously, there's going to be some limits on those, uh, on your pitching. And you could, you've got to try and get as many innings as you can out of these, out of these guys without going too far so you can still use them on uh, two or three times throughout the tournament. Um, but my, my plan of attack would be to basically try and um, win the first couple of games and, and see where the rest of the tournament takes us from there. Yeah, well, I guess if you bank a few wins, that sort of gives you a little bit of luxury to reset some of your pitching staff and, and make sure that you know your, your rotation is set up. So it makes perfect sense to try and get a couple early. Um, you mentioned your team that won the championship a few years back. Um, it was quite a good number of second-year players coming through. What's the split on your team this year in terms of first and second-year players? I've got, um, I think I've got six or seven first-year players this year, um, which is um, which is a healthy number uh, to take into a tournament like this, they, they, they're getting that exposure in their first year and then they, they, they've got that experience uh, for their second year uh, in, A, in 16, um, which, will be ha- which will happen in another six-month time, I would think, in January. So, um, yeah, the split is, is more in favour of the second-year guys. There's some big bodies uh, in the second-year age group that, um, that I'm looking that I'm very excited to see uh, do that stuff in the tournament. Yeah, it's always scary when you show up to an under-16 tournament and there's, there's blokes 
I call them blokes. There's kids walking around and look like they're fully, <laughs> fully grown men. There's some serious units out there. What about from the offense on the offensive side of the game? How, how are you guys positioned? What are you, you know, your team that is really going to bash the ball around and drive it into the gaps, or will you rely on speed and, and aggressiveness on the base paths? Oh, I've got a couple of guys that that hit with a uh, with a bit of power. Um, I've got Tyler Weiss that um, played in the Gold Coast Senior League um, team that went. Went down to Geelong. He's hitting the ball pretty hard at the moment. Um, I've got uh, Rodney Comedy, third baseman, that's, that's hitting the ball pretty hard as well. Um, Hayden Dingley again, one of my probably one of my starters. Um, he swings the bat pretty well and makes some good solid contact. So I've got uh, as far as the power guys go, I've got a I've got a few of those guys, and I've got a few guys that love to drive the alleys. And um, I've got those guys that hit for contact as well. Um, so it's um, got a good variety in there that um, should um, go complement each other in the lineup. Well, it's, as I said, it's the greatest collection of arms ever assembled at an Australian National Championship, according to the coaching <laughs> reports. So it'd be interesting to see what the offence can muster. Um, now, yeah. We've left you to last, and I can ask you some questions that we haven't been able to ask anyone else, and that is. As the local team, the tournament's in your backyard. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time with coaches on well, how do you, how do you herd these young blokes, many of whom haven't been away from home before, and um, you know, maintain the energy levels and, and the mental side of things. It's a bit different because you're playing at home. How how are you guys structuring um, arrangements with being the home team? Well, I think we decided early that we weren't going into camp as a team. Um, so the kids are going to be staying with their parents each night um, and then uh, just relying on the parents to enforce curfews and, and hopefully get their their diet and sleep habits correct throughout the tournament and turn up each day uh, nice and refreshed. Um, we'd, we've got a couple of team, team um, sessions going on during the week, recovery recovery sessions in the pool next door to the facility there at Dolphin um, and then going straight into the bistro there to have a have a feed afterwards together as a team so we've still got that team environment there and it, the kids are, the kids are coming together like that sort of you know they, they make friends for life and um, it's, it's good to watch them interact with each other have you got any sense as a guy who's taken teams you know interstate before do you you know, do you think this will have an impact? Do you think it'd be an advantage? Where do you see this sort of factoring into the overall performance? Oh, this is the first time the mm. situation um, that I've been in mm. um, having a having a home tournament this of this sort of magnitude, um, and I'm just sort of relying on the kids, the kids and the kids' parents to do the right things, and because um, it's because it's basically out of my control, out of the coaching staff's control once they leave the field. So it's, um, yeah, it's a very unique sort of situation. But um, I, I believe all the kids have got the, got the smarts, I shouldn't say, to you know, look after themselves. I've kind of put it in their head to start making routines around their sleeping habits and, and dietary, dietary habits this week um, so they can get prepped for next week and, and maintain that routine. So it's, um, hopefully it's going <laughs> to going to work out for me. Well, you could could be an opportune time to set up a parental kangaroo court because, you know, when you've got the kids 
and you're in charge of them and they're never going to be late to the field and all those types of things. But if a kid rolls in five minutes late because mum and dad got stuck on the on the freeway, you could make some serious money on the back end of this for the end of season uh, celebration. I might have to do that. Um, <laughs> we have also spent a bit of time with coaches just talking about that. You know, it's, it's, it's a six, seven-day tournament. If a kid has a tough couple of days, they can very easily sort of spiral into a dark place. And, you know, a, a lot of the coaches are they're baseball coaches, they're supply chain and logistics experts, and they're also a psychologist. How do you mm. how do you tackle, particularly when the game finishes, the kid jumps in the car and drives home with mum and dad, how, do you, how are you going to handle the mental side of things where a kid might have had a rough day and you don't have the ability to grab them at dinner and pull them aside and well, I suppose you're going out for a meal, but, you know, you don't have the ability to spend a bit more time around them to counsel them out of that hole. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation, but, you know, we'll try and get them after the game and have team meetings after each of the each day kind of thing before they go home so we can try and address some of those issues um, and try and sort of interact with those individuals that you know are struggling with uh, their performances and try and basically try and support them as much as we possibly can um, through the process. Okay, I've got a couple more questions for you and I'll let you go. Um, as a coach entering into a tournament like this, what is – what what are signs that would give you concern, and what are signs that you'd take as oh, hang on, we're 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 doing all right here. Like I'm really interested to talk to people who this isn't their first rodeo, and and what are the warning signs that oh, we might not be up for this, or um, and vice versa. Hang on, we're we're in with a chance. Uh, look, I think it kind of stands down to the first couple of innings of each game. Mm. Um, see where the, see where the guys are at. Um, if they come out come out firing in the first couple of innings and the and the, te- the tempo's up, it's generally going to be a good game. But if you if you're down by a few runs and you've got to try and work hard to try and get yourself out of those situations, and uh, you know it's I've got a good coaching staff, uh, probably one of the most experienced coaching staff that I've ever had um, for this for this tournament, and they're a great bunch of guys and. They will they will pick up any of the kids um, where, wherever they are in their in their um, in their in their game. They'll they'll definitely um, work their way through their, their their failures and successes and try and keep them grounded where possible. Mm. And I, the the bit that is always um, you know like the the over management of games has sort of fallen by the wayside. But how much? Um, how much in-game management goes on as a head coach or pitching coach? Like we've talked to a couple of coaches about, no, 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 we're not going to call pitches. We trust the kids to sort of have a game plan and try and stick to it. Um, but in terms of managing the offensive side of things and, the, and then the pitching and defensive side of things, how much um, sort of managing do you do inside the game? I don't do a lot of managing apart from trying to think two innings ahead. A lot of the times um, I leave my catches to do uh, most of the thinking behind the play. Uh, I, don't, I don't call pitches. I don't think I've called pitches for a long time and trying to get these catches to start thinking and making data, having a, a database basically on every player and, and start sort of retaining what certain tendencies are of certain hitters and um, what certain pitches are working at a certain time to try and go to those pitches 
to try and get the out. Uh, so I leave it up to the leave it up to the catchers to make a lot of their own decisions. I've given some basic information on pitching plans and stuff like that before the tournament, so they can start trying to get their head around some processes. But ultimately, I'm trying to instill the resilience with their decision making processes and and their confidence, basically, in their calling. Mm. Well, just leave it up to them. Yeah, we really, um, you know, like it, that over engineering the kids. That it's a short period of time, and and it's probably hard for you to get a scouting report on half the other teams anyway. So you know, if you if you work to your strengths as opposed to trying to attack the hitters' weaknesses, you're probably going to have success across a tournament anyway. Um, I'm going to let you go, but since you're the man on the ground, what's the long way long range weather update so that uh, everyone can pack their bags accordingly? Well, it's not looking good the next couple of days, I believe. Um, supposed to be a little bit of rain coming. So um, hopefully um, hopefully the fields hold out so we can um, get this going. I believe it's supposed to start raining tomorrow, I think um, Thursday a little bit and then start increasing a little bit over the weekend. But um, hopefully the fields are set up and ready to go. Yeah, it sounds like every state has dealt with weather in their preparation anyway. So there's a bunch of kids who... <laughs> Probably so amped that wet weather won't bug them at all, but they've all had a bit of experience in anyway. Dan, um, thank you very yeah. much for your time. Really appreciate it. All the all the best in the, in the tournament coming up. If you win your second one in two tries, then you might seriously need to think about pulling the pin on coach. You may you've, you've achieved everything there is to achieve. But uh, all the very best, and uh, thank you very much for your time. No, thank you, Stuart.